Gregory Smith. And you're Matt Connor. And we're staying up late for season eight of The, the Connor, Connor and Smith Show. Spooky Halloween October special ah, 2023. Wow, he just flipped the, the script on me. Literally flipped the script. Um, hello, how are you? Good. I'm drinking my mushroom coffee because that's what fancy people do. Okay, today we are talking about The Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix. Um, We are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. From Dathan Auerbach, author of Pen Pal, comes the chilling horror novel Bad Man. Booklist raves, it's magnificent. The Shining, set in a grocery store. The Washington Post calls it atmospheric and unsettling, takes on an aura of almost gothic menace. And USA Today says it's wickedly effective and saves its darkest deeds for an unnerving end. Bad Man by Dathan Auerbach. Available at 1000vultures.com. Um, Mike Flanagan's 2023 The Fall of the House of Usher this was an incredible series epic in so many different ways if you are a Poe scholar uh, and and know like all of those stories almost uh, I would say almost all of his stories are touched on either by a, a named character a title character or something and all woven together in the story about this downfall of this pharmaceutical dynasty family. Um, the very top of the series, we uh, see that there are, there's a funeral for three of Roderick Usher's children, um, three at once. And up in the balcony of the church is a, a masked woman looks like a raven beak mask on and um then we start in these flashbacks of interviews uh conversation between august dupin and roderick usher um so the the storytelling uh is very much backward and forward through the entire series and basically all of his children spoilers all in uh so if you have not watched this yet Turn it off right now. Okay. Uh, all of the children die. And and so we watch through different uh, stories, whether it's the gold bug or the murders in the Rue morgue or the raven or the pit in the pendulum or... Uh, the black cat. The black cat. Each one of the, the siblings' downfall follows those stories. Um not to go right to the end, but I don't know how we're going to discuss this in some sort of linear fashion since it's everywhere. But it was such a cool ending with the placement of those things on the headstones. The talismans, yeah. You know, just kind of summing up like all everything that we did, had just watched. But you know what? I have to be honest. Is there a Fall of the House of Usher like black and white film? Is there a movie to watch? I'm about? sure there's a Vincent Price one. Do I'm you know sure. the story? 
Um, at some point I did, yeah. I don't really know the Father House of Usher. It's really about a, a family guy whose last name is Usher? Mm-hmm. Um, it, Ryan is looking up currently. Oh, yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. The Fall of the House of Usher. Um, yeah, I don't see the fall. I thought it was just as horrific and just as terrifying and just as macabre as Poe is supposed to be without really sensationalizing it or going over the top. I thought everything that happened would have been in a Poe illustration. Oh, I think that they really took each one of his stories and told it for a modern world. Like, they really stay pretty close. The Black Cat's changed a little bit, and they're all changed to a certain degree, but they all are updated mm-hmm. for now, and it was it was fairly brilliant the way that they put it together. Um, yes, there was... a. a uh, House of Usher with Vincent Price, as you, as you said, in 1960. Um, <clears throat> but the first episode of this was the slowest of the Mike Flanagan series, in my opinion. It did not catch me with the first episode. It wasn't until I started watching the second episode that I was really in. and Because the first episode sets up the entire what you're going to see for the rest of of the series for eight episodes. Um, so yeah, well, I, I loved it. I mean, every episode from two to two to eight was, had something new and had a jump scare and a jump scare in a way that you weren't expecting. And yeah, just really a very detailed in depth, uh, character study of, of this family that basically big pharma, corporate America, you know, stands for all of those things. Mary McDonald's, uh, last monologue that she gives is just kind of sums up everything that's wrong with america exactly yeah yeah Yeah. who wrote that mike flanagan that's who wrote it i mean it was like a monologue of monologues yeah um mary mcdonald was she was in dances with wolves that's why she was so familiar to me she gives an incredible everybody in this series is giving like Emmy Award winning like performances. Now there were some interesting things in the very first half of the season that didn't really ever needed didn't need to be explained, nor was it, but there was a lot of non traditional relationships. Relationships with uh, throuples and um, just little with moments and I thought, Oh gosh, is this gonna turn into something even more? But what's so interesting is the way that they handled it, even in sort of like a Poe world, it still made sense without really any commenting on that. It was just what it was. Well, think about Poe and his child bride. I mean, unconventional relationships were kind of what he was interested in, right? I mean... I don't know if that was unconventional to him at the time, was it? Maybe not to him, but she was his cousin and a child. Um and Elmira was, uh, you know, a widower, and he he was a widow. Um, so I don't know. There, there's just I think uh, modernizing all of that is kind of calls for that. I think um, there was a what was the club called? Uh, P. It was his name, wasn't it? Was it Prospero or was it something was it else? Pros- Prospero was the the club. 
maybe. Or Fortunato. No, that was the company. That was the company. The drug was called... Ligadone. Ligadone, which was supposed to help you... It was, it was basically an opioid, basically. Yeah. So the, another... No oxy. pain. Yeah. yeah. Which was kind of what the, her monologue was about at the end. Yeah, that, that, that's why she gave the monologue, because that's what they gave. A world without a pain. A world without pain. Um, this entire cast, as you said, was great. Tamerlane was amazing. She was in the the Midnight Mass that mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan did, where she played the you know buttoned up minister minister woman. You remember her? And just to see her in this in a completely different uh, character, and the way that like that episode of hers, uh, which is the Gold Bug, right? Mm-hmm. When she like falls asleep because she's so tired and wakes up somewhere else and she's not quite sure where she was. That was all filmed fantastically. Um, and she really gave a great performance. Henry Thomas gave a great performance. I mean, Elliot from E.T., of all things. Um, he played who? The son? Yeah, Frederick, or Froderick, as Froderick. they called him. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that, his episode, The Pit and the Pendulum, is just hard to watch. Didn't you say you looked away? Um... It was, it was, yeah. I did not look away. I just but clutched that, my chest. <laughs> that was one of the most brilliant moments of it all for me because I would have never have guessed the way that that was going to get constructed and built. I mean, I, I mean, first of all, a pit in the pendulum to us feels like an archaic, like, weapon machine that is already kind of set up and you walk in and boom. And the way this kind of went down was like, are you kidding me? Well, because he was... No, what I had to look away from was when he was going to take out her teeth, his wife's teeth, with pliers. I thought, because he was giving her this drug that made her unable to move, I thought he was going to rig up some pit in a pendulum. So I didn't see it coming for him. Because I thought, oh God, that's the horrific kind of thing about not being able to move and this thing getting closer to you. Which, in essence, happened to him because he was snorting the the stuff. And, because Verna made him do it, yeah. And, gosh, just just even uh, thinking about the just desserts that really everybody gets. Well, know? I mean, you, you start out, you really kind of on Roderick and Madeline's side... Uh, as far as, because you're not, you don't know what happened that first night. You don't know what they did. You know they did something horrible, and that they killed somebody eventually in that first. It's first episode, isn't it? Hmm. Um. Anyway, uh, and and you kind of are on their side as far as like being able to get theirs after being put down because of their father and the mother and that whole thing because they were um. Illegitimate, illegitimate chi- uh, children of the you know guy that owned the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so you felt for them, but then when you find out what they did, like they were evil. Like it just completely goes out the window, and you realize why Verna even approaches them is because not just of what they did, but what they say when they do it. What did remind us what they did? Just because. Oh, uh, they. Uh, what was the name of the story? A uh, cask of Amontillado, where they uh, brick him up in the in the wall. Who'd they brick up? The boss, the guy that was th- yeah. his boss, and when they should have really been in control of the company, 
the guy in the gesture outfit, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything that they say to him while they're just sitting there casually, you know, putting the bricks up. I mean, just the evil that comes off of them. And then you're like, oh, well, of course, these are the people that Verna, whoever she represents, death, you know, would approach because of what they did. So even though it's the kids also dying because of what they chose to do, but they chose to do it. You know what I mean? So you feel bad for the kids, but you're also like, this is all on your parents. Anyway. Well... Let's talk about Verna. Verna, which is, uh, mix the words around and you get Raven, uh, this supernatural kind of force that provides the reckoning for all of these characters. Um, Played by the wonderful Carla Gugino, Gugino. I said to Matthew, for those who aren't aware or listening for the first time or whatever, uh, Matthew wrote a musical called Nevermore based on the last night of Poe's life and there's a character in it called the whore who becomes an amalgam of many different people and kind of leads Edgar towards his death and I said god that character that Carla is playing reminds me of the whore in Nevermore and in Nevermore the story there's there's use of a lot of the storytelling and things from Poe's work as well so Anyway, that that just kind of made it even more exciting for us to watch. Yeah, Uh, and I loved when uh, Roderick, the young Roderick, uh, gives Annabelle Lee the poem, because that's his wife's name, and there is no Poe in this, so he's the one that wrote that poem for her. Yeah, they say he would have been a poet. Yeah, he would have been a poet. In another life. Just fascinating things of what what they chose to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And seeing her, what happens to her, you know, coming appearing to him in the in the in the church in the cathedral and seeing the back of her head blown off, mm-hmm. just yeah, really hard. Yeah. Um, do you do you find that with long form series like this, it's it's sometimes hard to keep up um, pace with them? And, you know, everyone's got five thousand series they're watching. When you find someone a series like this, it's almost we like got sad knowing we were approaching the well, end, and, and that's why of, I try to like you parse know them parse out. them out. Mm-hmm. But then you start watching, and you're like, I have to watch the next one. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Stranger Things. It's the same with every Mike Flanagan series that's been on Netflix, where you know you try to parse it out, but then you just wind up. You know, binging. Bin, well, not even binging. You're like, oh, I'll, I'll keep one one a day. And there's only eight episodes, so a week and a day goes by, and you're like, damn it. Mm-hmm. I guess you could always go back and watch it, especially now, knowing the ending and all of that. And see, I mean, Pim's storyline was so great, uh, played by Mark Hamill. I Incredible. Mean, it was so good. Uh, his choice at the end was spot on, um, and she really looked like she felt sorry for him as well as Lenore like mm-hmm. she really didn't want to have to do this but she had to do this by whatever laws are making her you know that she has to follow she still felt bad in the end for the for the innocence I guess mm-hmm. um, speaking of series that you want to like watch all at once one is coming up that you can't because they release it weekly but the Gilded Age is coming back I believe s- Sunday and 
I just saw this today. The Crown final season, November sixteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, part one of the because last of season. Writer strike. No, they're splitting it up. I think it's four and six episodes, maybe. And so what? We have to wait another year for the. Last uh, maybe six? a month. They did that with uh, The Witcher, I think, as well, where they did a four parts and then another like a month later or two months later. They did it with later. Stranger Things too, right? I don't think so. No, Stranger Things was. Oh, they did do that yeah. last season. Mm-hmm. You're totally right. Ugh. I hate when they. I hate when I can't control my habits. Yeah, I, I mean, if you haven't watched any of the Flanagan uh, series, I highly recommend it. Anybody listening, go back and watch them. But I think they're pretty popular. Yeah, you know, if if anybody's into, I, we saw Midnight Mass. I I need to go back. I need to watch the Legend of Hill House, and the, the Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of, and, and the Haunting of Bly. Like, Bly Manor, mm-hmm. uh, Midnight Club is another one he did that's more of a young adult, mm-hmm. teenage kind of thing, even though it's adult. I really felt like this one was the more adult version of of what Mike Flanagan can do. Really, nothing was hold, held back. The nudity, the cursing, what happens is all very in your face. And, and I can't believe how dilapidated the house was during the interview or interviews but yet still completely believable mm-hmm. that it was that old and that had seen that much stuff. And at first it was kind of like, oh. And then you're like, oh, yeah, this looks like when someone goes out and takes pictures of like deserted homes kind of situation. And I felt the interview, is, is, is there, I'm not a scholar <laughs> on Poe, because there's a lot. Is there an interview story, essay, poem was that yes, interview so. also a, a little throwback? Oh, I, think, I mean, there's so many things in it. I think all of it is uh, Poe. And it's, you know, unless you all know the big things from school, or at least you should. I, I remember growing up very at a very young age reading Poe, you know, in school. Um, so it's definitely something that's out there, unless it's been banned recently. I mean, who knows? I feel like Mike Flanagan would really love us. And our stuff that we've written. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. especially Bly House. Well, it's interesting. Not that Nevermore is some sort of masterpiece. I did feel like Ma- uh, Nevermore tried to do the same sort of thesis that this, of course, exploded upon. Um, and it and not necessarily uh, uh, psychoanalyzing who Poe was as a person, but his his work, you know, like so deftly tells the stories and gets the same feeling across that he wanted to portray in those stories, but for a modern audience, I mean, it's it's genius. I don't want to say genius, but I mean, we did Doctor Sleep earlier in the season. Again, Mike Flanagan, uh, just amazing, amazing director, amazing talent. But what is his? Uh, what 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 lane does he drive in? Is it certain um, shots that he wants? Is it certain colors? Is it like, you know, when I say Tim Burton, I, I already have like the the asymmetrical, odd... Sure, I think Flanagan now is really kind of known for those background things that happen. If you're not looking in the background, there's usually something going on back there kind of to creep you out. That's really became his signature. But I think he challenges himself to a certain degree with each story that he tells. I mean, I think that Midnight Mass looks completely different than the fall of the House of Usher, and I think that's on purpose. I don't think he's trying to copy himself. I think he's trying to challenge himself and to you know constantly be using things and, and finding new ways to tell the stories. 
I mean, that's what's exciting about art, right? Is finding the new ways to tell things. Um, anyway, yeah, that's... And anything that brings Poe's work back to the spotlight, I'm always here for because it's it still remains some of the best storytelling, you know, in ever. History, ever in history. I had a friend telling me the other day about when they were in, uh, I guess, middle school or maybe even elementary school, there was this acting troupe that would come to their school around the Halloween time, and they did pose stories. Like, they acted out, they did a, 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 you know, scenes or the whole thing of the black cat or whatnot, and re remembers being absolutely terrified and scared um, of, of watching this happen. And so, like, Poe is been around for a very long time and still has something to say i think to the general populace um especially i mean poe would love corporate america he i mean he would have maligned that and you know wrote about that and yeah well not to bring up the toaster but like even just to have people celebrate you even once a year at your grave is unheard of in most families much less some guy who made no money while he was alive. and You mean, he, just to clarify, he means the Poe toaster who wears a robe and leaves... Which, which is no more, I think. Yeah. But it's funny, t today at lunch, uh, a colleague of mine, Sarah, who's from, I don't know, not from here, she was like, oh my gosh, I took my friends to Baltimore and we went to the um, harbor... And next thing you know, we somehow stumbled upon Edgar Allan Poe's grave, and there was all these people standing around like in period costumes, and they were reciting his stuff, and it was kind of cool. I'm like, Interesting. I'm like, yeah, that happens all over the, the cemeteries. Um, for instance, when the three of us went cemetery hopping a couple of times for our podcast on the spooky... Alexandria. The very stuff. first initial season of okay. that. Well, we didn't run into anybody having a, a ceremony honor, for the female stranger honoring these people. Well, yeah. she didn't write anything. Right. That's well, it. you know what? That's right. That's it. You gotta write something, Charlie. Well, and write something that I don't know who Charlie is, but you're right. They do need to definitely write something. Um. So wait, Boston, Baltimore, Richmond. Are the three kind of and Philadelphia and New York and New York are the all the Poe kind of where he hopped back and forth between. So the East Coast and they all fight over who owns him. Who owns him? There's also the college, um, not uh, I guess it's UVA. Yeah, not, not Virginia. I guess Tech. I don't think it's, it's not Virginia Tech. I think it's University UVA, where he went and he's the bet. His dorm is. And he went to West Point too, right? His, he got kicked out. Yeah, his dorm is uh, taped off in uh, UVA, so you can go like see where Poe stayed, where he re rest his head. Yeah. All right. Um, well, um, but people still fight over his body, over the grave. They pe the cities want him exhumed and moved to Philadelphia or New York. I think they should just exhume to see if his body's actually there. <laughs> <laughs> Spooky. Do you know why did you just say that? Is that a thing? Um, no, I just thought it would be funny. I mean, he's he's a horror writer, also a poet, uh, and also a, a critic. A critic, a critic yeah. Uh, that if he was gone, he wasn't actually there. Do people think he's still alive? No, no, they don't think he's still alive. Um, 
Him and Elvis hanging out. Let me just say this real quick. Um, well, then say it. I mean, I'm going to do it in song first. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was taken from the tavern where Poe drank. Yeah, 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 yeah. That song? Uh-huh. That's it, a good one. It's Irish. It was written by Andre 3000. Okay, I can't find it right now, but there is a story I remember that... I wish I could read you because I want you guys to think I'm lying. <laughs> um... Well, the way you're searching for it, I, I I don't think you're lying. I think you really have heard about it. Can you just tell us about it? Do you remember anything about it? Yeah. I don't think that they think... I don't know if they know for sure if his body's there. Really? I don't I didn't want to say it. Oh, my gosh. A train ran through the cemetery. <laughs> Did it really? Yeah. So they're not sure it's even there. A train derailed... I can't find it, and I can't see. A train derailed, uh, allegedly. I am a scholar on trains. And it went through the cemetery, I think... And basically, all the headstones were like pachink. So therefore, they the, between the train doing stuff on the ground and stuff, they literally kind of was guesstimating. So back then, I guess they didn't have like a, a map of where people were buried. Like you can go into like an, a, a mortuary now or like a, a cemetery and they'll have like a map of where everybody was laid out on the land. Have you ever had a meeting with my Aunt Doris? I don't know who Aunt Doris is. is. Is that a real person? She's in charge of the cemetery at church. Okay. And if you call upon her to set up your plot, she whips out the exact the chart map. that you're talking about. Okay. And you look at it, and it's a little freaky to see your name there. Your name was on it? No, I took it off. Oh, okay, okay. After the plot. Um... But yeah, they don't. I don't think that they know for sure if his body is even at the marker that it is, and that marker clearly is not the one from then. From then, because he was not who he is. Right, he was uh, when he died. Was he just thrown in a pauper's grave like uh, Mozart was? Was Mozart thrown in a pauper's grave? Right, he was. Wasn't he? I remember. I, I'm not remembering correctly. Maybe. Um, yeah. Did you want to say anything about the other actors in the show besides Mary McDonald? Bruce Greenwood, just a hell of an actor, really hasn't really been given this to really show off what he could do. And him as the older Roderick was just great. Um, and the guy that was uh, the interview across from him, Carl Lumbly, who played uh, Scatman Crothers' character in Doctor Sleep, he was great as well. Mm-hmm. And also the actress who played Lenore was also in Doctor Sleep. Yeah, the, she was the young girl, yeah. So, all right. Well, any any last thoughts on the fall of the House of Usher, gentlemen? No, I would say if you are intrigued and like to watch mystery, uh, thriller kind of stuff, it's nothing really... I didn't find any of it disturbing. Out well, no, there yes, was. there are some moments that's kind of disturbing, but not for the kids. You do, you do kind of understand that it is a throwback to the same sort of impending. I mean, the fear that Poe kind of gives you at times goes in and out of psychological and physical terror, right? Right. Like you being really, really drunk and just thrown into some place and being walled up is one thing. 
Um, I don't know. I, it's amazing. I, I said this to Ryan and you last night. I think if Poe was alive and he signed off on this, I think he would have been the Monica Lewinsky of um, impeachment and he would have been one of the producers and said, this is right up my alley. Because <laughs> I think it was... It was I was wondering where the Monica Lewinsky was going. Well, it, it didn't take anything away from glory. It wasn't trying to glorify anyone else. It was not trying to be sensational and say, oh, well, we figured out the black cat. It was never a black cat. It was a blue monkey. You know, they, they just... They honored all of the they, stories. They just honored everything the best they could. And um, some of the best kills, Tamerlane with the... The mirror yeah. on the ceiling. I mean, um, I but I want to talk to the person who's filming something right now, of the behind the scenes, the dramaturg. I want to hear that person talk for an hour about all the things I missed. Mm-hmm. Totally, because I know there's probably an official podcast. Uh, I think there is a YouTube video of all everything from Poe that is mentioned in Fall of the House of Usher. Mm-hmm. At this point, at this point, it's been out for two weeks. It's got to be up on YouTube. But how amazing for someone who's in charge of costumes and set to be able to live in that world, but also like, you know, their their sort of hair coloring and some of the textures of things was just so interesting that I just, it was really fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, the costumes, I mean, we haven't talked about June at all. She was great. Juno. Juno, right, yeah. She was wonderful. Irish woman, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's the black girl? Uh, I can't think Laura of Laura Lee? No, uh, uh, Lenore? The, oh, the that's kid? The, from Dr. Sleep. She's so good. So good. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, also the Telltale Heart, that was a hard episode. Oh, yeah. Like, she forgets that she killed her girlfriend. Her girlfriend, and then you see it, and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. But how amazing to come up with that idea of how to even tell the heart story. Mm-hmm. And her name's Tania Miller, who played Victorine, the one in the Telltale Heart. Uh, she was great, wasn't she? I would say if you like Into the Woods, where it is a collection of tales in one musical journey, this is for you without the music. <laughs> <laughs> what about the music? Uh, you, uh, did you notice the music during Fall of a Spouser? Oh, I just was a 13-year-old boy again. <laughs> I did not really, not particularly. You know what? I don't think I did either, which sometimes is a good thing because it wasn't distracting from what was going on. Yeah. Going on. But but I, the sound design was great, mm-hmm. really good. I mean, it always gets me. He always is able to, you know, ex- you're expecting a, a, a jump scare of some kind always, right, when you're watching something. We talked about this with Scream and the opening of the doors and you know, thinking somebody's in a closet and then they're not and then you think they're behind the door and they close the door and it's not there. Um, he's so good at creating a jump scare because he jumps an edit uh, of like with Prospero when he first comes to Roderick in the interview. He starts in the back, Prospero's ghost all burnt up and he comes forward twice, maybe three times and then the next shot should be him like almost to him but the next shot is him right in his face. And like, so you know it's coming, but it just kind of is a, a little different and that's how it gets you. And I mean, everybody who makes hor- uh, horror films, you know, is aware of what that uh, means. I mean, look at Spielberg and the head coming out of the 
submerged boat. Uh, I mean, the t- he worked on that timing for ages. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a, a talent. What were in her eyes? Those were the stones, right? That uh, they just stones? from Egypt, right? That they used to put on. They were from a queen's eyes. Yes. He got them on auction. Yeah, he got them. He pulled like basically a goddess's eyes out and brought them through time and meant them for her. Yeah, I mean that that trial scene was hard. I mean, you're expecting them to do the right thing, and then they don't. So this is already four episodes, five episodes, no, maybe maybe fifth episode in, because you're. You don't know. You know they hook up with the the guy he's interviewing with as a as a young person, Zach Guilford, um, and you think they're making the right decision and they're going to turn this guy in for this thing. And then when he turns at the trial, you're like, oh shit, who are we dealing with right now? That's when you really start to be like, there's something not right between Roderick and Mar- Madeline and who they are as people. But yeah, I love when he starts getting the texts from Lenore that just say "Nevermore, Nevermore, Nevermore," because it was part of that app that they were creating. Yeah, the AI app, which was earlier. Yeah. Well, that whole last episode was just icing on top of icing mm-hmm. for some reason. And you know, usually you feel like endings of things like that are starting to be a little bit contrived. Like we gotta wrap this up. It was didn't feel contrived at all. It was it felt like completely it, thought out. You were like I almost felt like he had the end before, and then wrote everything around that end. Yeah, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but those monologues that Carla Gugino, I can't, I don't know how to actually say her last name. If Dan McDonald is listening, I do apologize. He always used to make fun of me for uh, the way I pronounce people's names because I don't know. I don't hear anybody say them. I just see them on a screen. Carla G. Carla G. Uh, her monologues in that last uh, episode are just next level stuff. Like you said, if she's not nominated for an Emmy, if a lot of these people are not nominated for Emmys, I think Mark Hamill actually might win. Uh, that would be great. Um, but yeah, that whole last episode is is next level stuff. It's great. I highly recommend. Um, any anything else? Nope. I mean the the. House of Usher literally falls <laughs> at the end. They do not disappoint. They do not the title. disappoint. They got the assignment and nailed it. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> All right, that was the fall of the House of Usher. Highly recommend. Um, it doesn't have to be Halloween time for you to watch that. It can be any old time at all that you want to hear some Poe. Um, so if you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Patreon, under Connor and Smith, again with an E-R. Um, did I say TikTok? Anyway, there's a TikTok. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe to this episode. Really helps us out a lot. Share where you share things. Post it where you post things. If you want to uh, support us on Patreon, there is a link in the podcast notes. And please follow Rye the Dean on Letterboxd. Link- it's actually Ryan the Dean. Okay, whatever. <laughs> the link is in the podcast notes yet again. Almost upon Halloween, y'all. Just a few episodes left and then uh tuesday it's gonna be cold it's at least where we are so so much fun all right we'll see you tomorrow bye